The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses. They were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. When we're in school, we always knew that there was different gradations of being tested, right? You had the lowest level, you had quizzes, right? Pop quizzes and quizzes that you knew about. Then, then tests. Then you had exams, okay? That's even worth more. And then you had finals for all the marbles, the hardest test. Abraham is taking his final. What he had to go through in this, what's recounted here in Scripture in Genesis, is a hard test. First, because his name, his name means, God changed his name and it means father of a multitude. And yet, he didn't have any kids for a long time. Can you imagine all the guys in the area, all his friends, like, oh, father of a multitude's coming by, no kids. God promised him. And then he had to wait for 10 years to have a child by Sarah, Isaac. And that's the context of this test, this exam, this final. And God says, are you willing to let go of the promise? Let go of its fulfillment. Are you willing to sacrifice at all? Now, people get hung up on the seeming immorality of this scene, right? Why would God ask Abraham to do something so horrible? Well, one, he, he doesn't in the end, right? He, he stops him, and that's kind of the point. The way that people at that time with the pagan gods that they were worshiping, which St. Paul would say they were demons, actually. They required child sacrifice. This is something that the Israelites fought against. And God, from the very beginning in relationship to Abraham, says, I'm not going to be like those other gods. You might have thought I was going to be, but no, I will provide the sacrifice. I will be different. So he doesn't actually ask him to do that. And that's good. Right? This only makes sense in light of the New Testament, this scene, this, this situation, this test, this final. God never asks anyone to do this again. He, 
He gives commandments against it. He asks the Israelites to banish it from their midst when they come back from Egypt. He asks only this one time in order to show us how drastically phenomenal Jesus' sacrifice will be. Go back to the scene. Isaac spoke to his father. Father, he said, here I am. He replied. Isaac continued, here are the fire and the wood, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? My son, Abraham answered, God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering. Millennia later, 2,000 years later, in fact, the only begotten son would set out on a journey like Isaac. And he would carry the wood on his back like Isaac. You see, Isaac was carrying the wood on his old shoulders, the wood of his own sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world would walk up a mountain just like Isaac. In fact, the mountain was literally uh, 300 meters from that very same mountain. Mount Moriah is where the, the temple is the, the, in Jerusalem on the, the dome. Only about 300 meters away is Calvary. So Jesus would completely fulfill and say, I am the sacrifice. This all laid out, Jesus' sacrifice is fulfillment. Abraham having to be willing to let go. It, it asks us the question. So now let's apply it to our own lives. What are we holding on to? What are we not letting go of? In Lent, we give up some stuff. We might give up Coke. We might give up coffee. God's not asking about that. He's not asking about the little sacrifices. He's asking about lifetime things, your whole life. What are we not letting go of? What is holding us back? You know, St. Ignatius talks about something called holy indifference. Holy indifference doesn't mean just saying, like, I don't care about it, like being indifferent. It means, and I'll quote him, he says this. We must make ourselves indifferent to all created things. As far as we are allowed by free choice and are not under any prohibition. Consequently, as far as we are concerned, we should not prefer health to sickness, riches to poverty, honor to dishonor, a long life to a short The same holds for all other things. That's what holy indifference is. That's what God's calling us to through these scriptures and through what St. Ignatius describes in the spiritual exercises. This is number 23 in the spiritual exercises. And let's really understand what that means. He says, do not prefer health to sickness. Can we really say that? I don't know if I can actually. I kind of like being healthy. Do not prefer riches to poverty. Who of us truly, I'm not going to say raise your hands, but who of us truly can say we don't prefer riches to poverty? You know, St. Ignatius here isn't saying that riches are intrinsically evil. But he's saying don't prefer it. If something happens, you lose your job, you lose your house, your house burns down, someone steals all your money. 
Can you say at the end of the day, when you go to sleep that night and you examine your conscience, can you say, thank you, God? Thank you that that guy robbed us. Thank you. I got cancer. That's intense. That's the reality. It's not Coke and coffee at Lent. It's our whole life. Now, a funny way this kind of lived out in my own life is very simple, not, not that intense. But in a small way, I was with my friend, Father Josh Johnson. We were going to eat at the Chimes in Baton Rouge. And, you know, it's a college town and it's, it's close to all these bars. And we, were, we, were, we were, I got to the parking lot. And he was driving. I was in the passenger seat. I had my, my phone on my lap because I was doing some stuff. And then I got to go get out. And you know what happens when like, you get out of the car and your phone's in your lap. And it just, poof, and it flies in the air. And I'm like, oh, no. But it, it, don't worry, its fall was broken. It was fine. It didn't break because it, it landed right in the a pile of vomit. I know, I know, right? And I was like, <gasps> and Josh ran around the, the car and he goes, oh, God loves you. <laughs> it's not what I wanted to hear. But you know, I prayed about it later. I thought about it later. I reflected I got a new phone, by the way. So. But I reflected and I said, can... Oh, man, that happens every time. I get too excited. Does that happen with Father Bryce? Because he gets excited too, I know. So it must happen. Can I actually say what Josh said in that moment? A more serious, a more real example. Family I'm close to. Recently, I'm, I'm a godfather to one of their children, their youngest, Lillian. And Lillian has always wanted another baby sibling. She's the youngest. She's the baby. And Emily sent me a video of them announcing to Lillian that they were going to have another child. Maybe a brother, maybe a sister. And they announced it and Lillian was like kind of confused. And all of a sudden she had, she had like a, a doll in her hand. And she lift, when she found out that she was having a sibling, she lifted the doll in the air like Simba, okay? It was like the Lion King. She was like, yes! It was the cutest video. Loved it. A couple weeks ago, Emily texted me and she says, we don't hear the heartbeat. God is good. That was her text message. We can't find the heartbeat. God is good. And in that moment, I thought of Lillian. I thought of Emily and Jason telling Lillian the news. Being real with their heartbreak. Crying together. But Lillian hearing her parents say God is good. That is holiness. That is holy indifference. Lillian learned a great mystery that day. It's not ours. None of it. Our houses, our boats, our bank accounts, our family, our children are not ours. 
Are we willing to open our hands? Are we willing to say, it's all yours, Lord? And then receive more from him. Receive something greater. Receive eternity.